0: Hello, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, this is the Jay and Kale Show, presented to you by 104.9 WPXN, Paxton Rant Tool, talked about it at the end of the podcast, but uh, I'm still working out some of the audio kinks and audio issues, Jay's going to be kind of hard to hear, and I'm going to be a little loud at times, so that's just a quick forewarning before we jump into today's episode. Um that's uh, yeah, appreciate everybody's patience as we're still working with some new software on my end. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Jay still uh, lives up in Loda. I now live in Urbana, so we're doing it over Skype uh, ever every two nights a week. Um, so I'm still messing with the audio. I had it there for a little while, but I thought it was a little quiet, so I'm kind of changing changing some stuff around. So everybody that, uh, that is patient with us, I really appreciate it. So does Jay. We, we both do. But uh, we're getting it worked out. This is a great episode, though, if you, can, if you can suffer through the audio, get on a little rant. We got Tristan Kissick of the Champagne Room joining us to talk all things Illini. I mean, you can't beat it. So stick around. We got a pretty fun trivia question towards the end. Um, stick around for that conversation as well. But yeah, just a forewarning, Jay's a little hard to hear. My audio is a little loud, so I uh, appreciate everybody, you know, with their with their patience on that. So without me rambling and carrying on here, without further ado, let's get into the show.
1: It. He will glove it through to Rizzo.
2: It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. In the air to left, well hit. Back is Craig.
1: What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs
0: in 2011. They pull off the last second miracle. Back, I'm gonna carry you. Kale they uh, went a lot farther than what everybody thought they were gonna do. Personally, I didn't think the Bears were gonna win more than six games this season. What's up, Jay? Oh, it's going. Can't complain. Another day, another day recording the podcast. It's getting pretty late. Dealing with some technology issues,
1: though.
0: Yeah, I just want to get everybody mentally prepared. It's going to be a long one. Uh, We got a lot to talk about. Uh, As you know, we got the we got to break down the Houston Astros and what's going on with that mess. Uh, we also got the interview with Tristan Kissick. Uh, I'm going to tack it on at the end, talk a little White Sox with him, but mainly a lie-night basketball, so it's going to be a fun one.
1: Absolutely, always is. Uh, like you said, lots of good stuff uh, news-wise in the baseball world playing to keep you intrigued.
0: So. Jay, speaking of baseball, the Houston Astros are an absolute mess.
1: Yeah, it's not a very good situation right now, obviously, for those of you that are following it, uh, cleaning house, for lack of better words, and for those of you that have not heard anything about it, uh, essentially, in the eyes of the baseball community, we got some, some uh, video cheaters on our hands, so uh, they're being dealt with how the Major League Baseball Association feels appropriate, and there's uh, quite a few changes when it comes to management. Across the American League and some of the national League as
0: well so pretty interesting. so basically for what happened is for those of you that don't know which I'm not sure how you wouldn't uh, the Houston Astros have been uh, basically let's see what's the proper term accused and now acquitted um, I guess of uh tampering stealing signs right people have been stealing signs since baseball's been been around but not in this way they were doing it. They're using the video board in center field. Every time a, a off-speed pitch was being laid to catch by the catcher, there would be a, three loud or four loud bangs on a trash can uh, inside of the dugout. There's a cool video uh, on YouTube with a guy by the name of John Boy Media. If you get a chance, go look that video up. Just type in uh, Astro Sign Stealing on YouTube. But Alex Cora somehow is linked to all of this, and so is Carlos Beltran. And it just keeps unraveling in front of our faces, Jay.
1: Yeah, it's uh, not a very good situation for baseball at the moment. You know, you always kind of think baseball is... Sacred. Well, obviously, you know, yeah, sacred. It's America's pastime, as people like to call it. And for those of you that have seen Field of Dreams, uh, there's a really good quote in there It kind of says that America's been like a blackboard, you know, erased, rewritten, and baseball's kind of been a constant. So to see things like this kind of come into play is is disappointing for lack of a better
0: term. So, so here is the newest scandal that has been released by the MLB. Um, basically, here it, it's an article from Alden Gonzalez. He is a staff writer at ESPN. Uh, he said the Astros' illegal use of technology – Fueled further speculation Thursday that Houston players took their methods a step further by wearing concealed devices that notified them of certain pitches, including this past season. That is just absolutely crazy to me, if that's true.
1: And I mean, especially for a team that's had so much success, you know, in the past three, four years, and a team that basically went from... Non existent. I mean, mid 2000s, the Astros were pretty competitive, you know, with guys like Brad Lidge and BCO and Bagwell on their way out. But there for a while, I mean, there was a stretch
0: of period where the Astros were only winning 50, 60 games a year. You right. Know, and then they go to winning
1: over 100. And, you know, not all, I mean, their recruiting process was pretty good as far as picking up guys that were productive. But I mean, just the statistics productivity of that team offensively absolutely exploded and to see something like this really makes you scratch your
0: head so. so there's a picture floating around the social media world i'm pretty entrenched in that jay i know you you stay on top of uh social media quite a bit as well but i don't know if you've seen it or not there's a picture of jose altuve um hitting the w- walk off against the roldis chapman in game six of the, of the divisional or the championship series against the yankees this year I don't know if you remember or not going that far back how Altuve didn't want his jersey ripped off because yeah. apparently he was wearing this device. So, do you oh, believe it? Really? Do you, I mean, I believe it. I can't see how it isn't true.
1: Yeah, I mean, you really, you know, as a fan of baseball, you really hope that it's not. But I really feel like the type of action is being taken as far as discipline. And guys stepping down and things like that i mean everything certainly points in the direction of it being
0: true so uh aj lynch who is the aj lynch aj Hinch, who is the manager of the astros at the time has a one-year ban from baseball as well as the gm uh jeff lunow i believe is how you pronounce it jeff lunow um have both been suspended for at least a season uh, from the MLB for the Astros side of it. Now, here's where it gets interesting is when you bring in Beltran, who just got hired this past offseason as the Mets, uh, the Mets, let's see, the Mets manager, now he's stepped down. Then you get Alex Cora, who I believe is done. I don't think he will ever manage a game in baseball be affiliated with baseball ever again, it's going to be the Pete Rose thing for what he did. And that is using the video replay room to uh, steal signs.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's – I mean, Beltron obviously involved in the organization as a player, you know, the latter part of his career I think was 2017, I think was his last year. Yeah. it might have been. Yep. You know, so obviously with him stepping down as a manager, I mean, there has to be some types – type of accusation that puts this a lot farther back on the timeline than just, you know, what we're kind of – seems like we're s- scratching the surface, for the lack of a better
0: term. Yeah, and that's exactly what's going on, you know. Um, if you look at it this way, uh, who, who else? Uh, Cora, specifically – will never manage a game more than likely again because of the fact that now he's not only involved with it from the Astros' side, but he's involved directly from the Red Sox, which is he's got a double whammy going, especially if he's spearheaded, which I think I'm reading correctly. He might have been kind of the ringleader behind the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I
2: would certainly think that as far
1: as stealing signs and, you know, being effective at it, just from my experience even at like the junior college level there's various various ways to kind of mask signs i mean not all teams just throw down the one for a fastball two for a breaking ball you know and so on there's lots of things that kind of go into masking signs so i really think that it would make sense to me for a guy who actually played and was a part of the game day in day out for an extended period of time would for sure have to be of some assistance
0: in a scandal like this. It's just a bad, bad look for baseball. We've been iterating it now for the past eight minutes, but it's just its just not a good look for, for Major League Baseball, who's already had enough dark clouds cast over it. I don't see how they can deal with another one, to be real honest.
1: Right, and, you know, it kind of makes you wonder what's going to happen as far as You know, people are obviously going to bring up the question as they always do. I mean, this is a team that's won two World Series in, you know, four years or whatever, or been there at least quite a bit. And, you know, what what happens as far as their success? I mean, do you punish them even further, you know, or do you kind of take the mindset of, well, even though you're stealing signs, you still got to put a good swing on it and produce – So are they going to let people keep it? And then ultimately I've seen some stuff that's kind of really made me scratch my head, like as far as cheating and letting these guys possibly keep World Series trophies. Like, are we going to let a guy like Pete Rose get on a ballot? I mean, this is a man with over 4,000 hits. Right. The dude can play. And I think the misconception that people get a lot is, you know, him gambling on baseball. I understand is. It's not good. It's wrong. But this is a man that bet on his own team.
0: Yes. bet his team to win. You know what I mean? It's not like he's throwing games. It's it's not like the 1919 Black Sox, if you look at it that that, way. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, not that I condone cheating.
1: You know, obviously you want to be morally correct as much as you can, especially in the spotlight of being a professional athlete and a role model. But, I mean, I guess I just – you know kind of old heart of the lion thing i kind of try to look for the best in everybody and i mean when you look at a guy who's betting on his own team to win and the type of production that he had and now all of this stuff that we're kind of getting into i mean i guess that's a that's a whole other conversation but yeah definitely not a good luck on baseball
0: for sure So, Jay and I will obviously be following this story uh, pretty close just because I'm pretty interested in it. There hasn't been something like this in baseball in my lifetime, I don't think. At least not to where I've been old enough to understand what's going on anyhow. Um, Let's move on to the next topic here. LSU probably could have their way with almost any NFL team, and I'm sticking to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a team that's got obviously – force me reckon with it in just about every position on the football field. Uh, we kind of saw it uh, with the way that Trevor Lawrence played a little bit. I mean, you could just tell for a guy that was 25-0, and 0, I'd never seen him look more lost or, you know, just kind of felt pressure all game. You know, it was just always in the back of his mind. He just never really seemed to look comfortable to me. He's overthrowing receivers and making bad throws on routine throws that he's made. You know, in all of his wins, you know, tw- I mean, 25-0 and as a starting quarterback. I mean, you know, that, he did not look anything like a guy with that type of resume. And you got to credit LSU. I mean, they're flying around to the to the ball. They're, I mean, their four-man rush was absolutely unreal all night. I mean, they, they didn't have to send anybody. They did, linebacker-wise. But, I mean, they could have sent four
0: guys every down and probably been more than okay. Joe Burrow probably had the most, the quietest 500 yards I think I've ever seen. Because I was scrolling through ESPN as I was watching the game and just saw, wow, he's at 420 yards passing. And it didn't even look like it. It's just so effortless when he throws. And I'm going to say this, and it's going to be kind of derogatory, but, man, I hope Cincinnati doesn't ruin him because he is so fun to watch.
1: I agree, and, you know, you hope that he's the type of player that, you know, they can build a team around and hopefully go out and spend some money, maybe not for huge names, but, you know, some guys that have been around in the league, maybe some, you know, second guys on the depth chart receiver-wise, you know, guys that might be towards the latter part of their career but can still play a little bit. Just some pieces around him offensively maybe if he does end up in a place like that could, like you said, at least keep
0: a – They're in a bad – they're in bad shape. Um, I just – I don't even know what to say, man. LSU was a team of destiny. Obviously, you had Ed Ogeron. Uh, Man, how can you not love the way he talks, by the way? But you had had Ed Ogeron, you know, being fired from Ole Miss, being told that he wasn't fit to lead the program at USC. Those guys got to really be kicking themselves right now, but the the whole season just felt you know OSU or LSU beat how many ranked teams? I think it was six, and they beat another one last or Monday night. That defense, like you're saying, is unbelievable, but that offense is better than the defense. I I I think Justin Jeffries. Oh, absolutely. That guy's an animal. Joe Burrow's had probably the best quarterback or quarterback season of any NCAA athlete. He threw for sixty touchdowns and over five thousand yards this season, and, and they're they're just a complete package. I, I don't see how they get worse either. And obviously, losing Burrow's is going to hurt, but I don't see how they lose a step because they've got a whole bunch of recurring recurring uh, athletes on the both sides of the ball, Re- recurring yeah, returning. There we go. Yeah, no, yeah.
1: It's, it's the type of makeup that you long to have as a coach and a fan. I mean, they're definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with for as long as the majority of these guys stay. And it's kind of shaping up with Coach O right now, the way he motivates people. To, it's kind of taking on the look of a, like an Alabama-type feel, you know. There's just a pipeline that I feel will be set right in to LSU for the next, you know, three, four years after this class, you know, decides to either go on to the draft or continue to play or, you know, whatever it might be. But, yeah, I mean, this is a team that took down Alabama, obviously, when Alabama was supposed to be at the top of their game and kind of really honestly took off at the beginning of the year taking business, taking care of business, excuse me, and, I mean, they just never looked back.
0: Staying on football. Um, o- Odell Beckham Jr., OBJ, has a, a it, warrant out for his arrest now with the involvement he had at the uh, in a locker room, which I don't understand why Ezekiel Elliott was there, to be honest. Um, yeah, first of all,
1: you know, I don't care what type of light you're trying to shed on yourself, you know, forgive me for anybody who's a big OBJ fan. Stay out of the locker room. You, you don't need to be in there. And if you're gonna be in there, why don't you conduct yourself like a professional and not be handing out
0: $100 bills to players? Fake or real, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, let's get a grip here. Like
1: you're the type of guy that needs to conduct yourself in the type, you know, in the type of manner to where everyone's eyes are gonna be on you because they obviously
0: were. A lot of people look up to him. I mean, seriously, he's a superstar yeah, in the NFL. You know,
1: be excessive. I'm not saying you need to arrest the guy. You know, it doesn't need to be made any bigger a deal than it already has been. But there's a lot of things that could have been avoided
0: here, as yeah. far as him just not
1: doing what he did. I mean, act like a guy who's been in the NFL. We know you got money. You know, no one cares. You don't need to be handing it out to kids. Obviously, social media. And everything, everything is all over the internet in thirty seconds. You know, which it was, which is how he got caught.
0: Yep. Now what's going to happen? We're going to have some, you know, what if
1: type person or whatever come out of the woodwork and start saying, "Whoa, Odell Beckham Jr. is paying college athletes," and now someone's going to say LSU needs to be put under investigation for this because college athletes are getting paid by alumni and blah blah blah. And it's just you know, it's just so much negativity. In our entire conversation so far, baseball, football, technology, (laughs) technology right now is
0: proving that it is a net negative in the sports world. Well, speaking of technology being a net negative, I'm having a heck of a time trying to keep us rolling over here for some reason tonight. (laughs)
1: You know, there's light being shed on things that used to be. Yeah, I mean, come on, like nobody used to be allowed in a collegiate. Now we got cameras everywhere. This is a joke. There's no privacy.
0: It's getting me worked up. oh man, I love it. I love it. I this, is, it. this is this <laughs> is this is the content that we need. this. Jay, you sound, you, you, sound, you sound like you're 80 years old. I know. It's like, <laughs> God, it's just so frustrating it's <laughs> time to
1: just see all the negative energy associated. You know, sports are supposed to be fun. And we got this guy's getting arrested. And we got cameras over here, people stealing signs. And yeah, it's just, man, I just wish we could get back to enjoying stuff. I wish everything was like watching a line basketball
0: game right now. Yeah. Uh, obviously LSU is your national ch- national champion, <laughs> dude. I'm all messed up. <laughs> rant, over. rant over. Oh, okay, all right. Now let me gather myself here. Whoo! Um, LSU is your national champion. There's the rant of the day, and man, it was a good one. I can't wait to hear the feedback on that, man. Whew. Yeah. Um. Let's see. The problem is right now is that there's nothing positive going on in the sports world. You know why that is? Because the NFL's about over with. The NFL dies down. Man, it gets really slow.
1: It does. You know, for those of you that are hockey fans, you know, we apologize because we know it's full force right now about midseason, but around here... I mean, the Hawks aren't what they used to be, so there's not a lot of hockey on my TV right
0: now. So. Uh, there's zero hockey on my TV, because <laughs> I don't know the first thing about it. I mean...
1: I, it's been a while. I mean, I kind of picked it up when I was... Obviously, not too long after we moved here. The neighbors crossed the street, you know, they're big Chicago fans, and we just kind of got to know them, and started watching Hawks games, and followed more and more, and they ended up making a run at the cup and winning one, and I guess we just never kind of looked back. But, yeah, it's definitely something that, you know,
0: I would compare to a, a love for baseball kind of thing. Yeah. You really got to sit down and watch it and right. understand it. And it. I can see how if you're not a hockey fan, it'd be tough to get into for sure. Let's see. What's something positive that – I'm trying to save all our line I talked for the end when I tack on the uh, tack on the interview with Tristan. Uh, yeah. so that way it can just kind of all flow together. Um, let's see. Well, the Bears—I don't know if you've been following this or not—they hired John D. Filippo to coach uh, coach quarterbacks.
1: I did see that. Uh, I think that's a good move. You know, to get some uh, get some more guys in there to give Mitch some assistance. I mean, not in a bad way, but you got a guy like Nagy who's trying to coordinate an offense and coach a team and be with Mitch. And you know. Just, I think it's kind of nice that the Bears are kind of delegating some things and letting Nagy focus or hone in more on one or two things that he really wants to work on rather than a bunch of things that he needs to worry about at the same time.
0: So, so the Bears hired Filippo as quarterback's coach, promoting Dave Ragone, I believe is how you pronounce it. I've never been able to pronounce his name. I'm sorry, Dave. Uh, he's now the passing game coordinator. Uh, Nagy also intended to hire veteran assistant Bill Lazor as offensive coordinator, which I don't think is a bad move for Coach Nagy. You know, get some help in there. Maybe we can hone in on Mitch's strengths as opposed to just keep getting him exposed every Sunday.
1: For sure. I mean,
0: Because let me tell you, them. Mitch has a big problem. And the first problem that I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of people probably heard this, but they may not know about it because it wasn't very public. Mitch can't read defenses. I don't no, know. if um, They talked about that, and Nagy was the first – at the end of the year review there. They always have the end of the year pressers, right? And and that was one of the first things he said. How – it's going back to the Ryan Pace bowl. That's what I titled the episode of our, la- our last episode. How can you draft a guy and he can't read a defense? Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I hate to throw some
1: spotlight on Nagy this is just my assumption, but I think this is the way it happened. When Mitch came in, he obviously had to be the guy. We had nobody else, so we throw him in there. And Nagy designs the type of offense to where you know Mitch can still be mobile. But as far as throwing the ball, I think Nagy, you know, for lack of a better term, dumbed it down. Yeah. Mitch. He Yeah, he had he said, to. Hey, if you see this, when you line up under center in the shotgun you see this defensive player here or do this, you are throwing it here. You see this guy do this, you're throwing it there. There was really no reading involved. It was kind of – it just felt from watching that it was the type of designed offense to where Mitch had his mind made up of what he was doing before it ever even happened. Yes. And that's kind of what I feel like we're still seeing here, you know, at this year and, you know, even some of last year. And I say this, and I love that we were successful last year, but if you go back and watch game film or highlights from Mitch, I mean, that man could have easily thrown about 15 to 20 more picks that were flat out rocked by opposing defenses. Yeah. And, then, you know, he, you know he, would get, he would save himself. He'd get 70, 80, 90 yards on the ground. People would start having to send five, six guys and drop some short passes off and, we were off to the races it worked and now people are kind of have had more time to sit down in the film room and look at him and what, how he works and does things and i'll tell you what man it shows
0: i'm scrolling through through twitter right now not to change the topic i'm sorry
1: no you're good
0: i keep i i clicked on why mike trout was trending i figured he was doing something in philly since the 76ers were playing tonight it's an instagram post Somebody just went on this long spiel about how their dad was his third base coach for the Mariners in 17. The Mariners knew they were cheating. Uh, My dad knew whatever. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. And then this guy tweeted, if you want to read something better, Mike Trout takes HDH for a thyroid condition. It's a loophole he found in the MLB doesn't make it public because they want fans knowing their best players on HGH. What? Why does, really? Mike, why does Mike Trout get dragged into this? Why did I not see this until now? This is a witch hunt, man. It's an absolute witch hunt. And the, what is Everyone's the, getting thrown in the hot seat. They don't want fans knowing their best players on HGH. People know within know the thought you'd appreciate since you're a Dodgers fan. Huh.
2: Wow. That's wow. The
0: MLB is about to be flipped on its lid, and it's sad to see, because I'm just as big a baseball fan as you are.
1: Yeah, I'm the same way. It's it's disappointing for sure. I mean, we haven't seen anything like this since the the list of steroid users came out. That was about a quarter mile long, you know, <laughs> back in the 2008 to 2010, 11 you know type years. And here we are again. It seems like something
0: always tends to happen. Poor Mike Trout getting dragged into this. That's by yeah. far the most intriguing development.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> We're just looking, people are just looking for things to stir up now, man. They're just stirring the pot. Oh, but, dude. dude. We got a bunch of cheating managers that steal signs through video boards and devices under jerseys, and who else is pretty good? Uh, Mike Trout, let's make up something about him. We'll see what we can get going. I'm just scrolling. I, I hope it's not true,
0: honestly. You Me either. No anymore. Because I plan on going. the The Angels are coming to Chicago this year, to the South Side. Um, mm-hmm. I plan on going to that game just because I want to see Mike Trout. Yeah,
1: big game, and especially with the way it's shaping up for the Sox and the caliber or level of play they might be at. You
0: know. I don't know if you know this. Um Obviously, this is a laid back style podcast where we just kind of have a conversation. If you haven't figured that out by now, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> the White Sox tickets on Sundays up there are five bucks. Five dollars.
1: Oh, trust me, man. I know. I, that was one of my favorite things. We'd, in the springtime at KCC, we'd have off days on Monday. So we'd play, you know, Saturday, Sunday on the weekend, and Monday would be our off day. Yeah. So we'd load the car up and make the hour drive up there. I mean, Literally, just like you said, I mean, we could get a ticket for a White Sox game for seven bucks, and I don't care what caliber a team is playing. If I get a chance to go to a big league ballpark for seven bucks, you bet I'm
0: going. I mean, that's that's kind of why I'm leaning towards the White Sox more now, is because nothing against the Cubs. Like we've talked about on this podcast, we're a pro-Wrigley Field podcast, even with you being a, a Cardinal fan. I mean... $94 on a Sunday compared to seven, and the ballpark's a lot easier to get to. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I know there's a lot of other ballparks
1: that charge quite a bit of money, but, you know, the type of situation with the White Sox right now, and you can credit it to whatever. You can credit it to me in a fan friendly organization or for the fact, the sheer fact they haven't been
0: very good. Whatever it is, States, yeah. Whatever it is. I mean, you can go to a big
1: league game for seven bucks. I don't know why you wouldn't, versus, you know, a Wrigley or even a, I mean, I'll throw a Bush Stadium in there, you buy a ticket for 90 bucks, and then, you know, you get a couple of drinks in the grandstand, and you eat something, and before you know it, it's a $300 day. <laughs> and you're like, what? What just
0: happened? Oh, man, I really got to get a system where I can keep all of this stuff that you say. <laughs> I'm working on it, that's that's in the works. I'm don't get me I love big
1: league if you
0: ever get a chance to go go, and it's
1: money well spent. But tell you what the Man, money's hard to come by. That's a, that's a hard
0: weekend activity to swing. You especially know you know when you're when you're our age. You know we're both in our mid twenties, right? Trying right. to trying to establish right. ourselves here. You know, and, and paying ninety five dollars to a hundred dollars on a ticket plus driving that yeah, that's it's just true. almost undoable. And so, you know, and so. not only just for us, right? You got you got families that are just starting out. A baseball game is a great thing to do on a Sunday afternoon to take your little kids to, um, and the smaller families that are just starting out can't even do it because MLB is trying to price themselves right out of the market. Right, exactly. It's
1: it's brutal. It really is. I mean, it's a good time, but and like we talked about, you know, on previous episodes, it's tough to look past it. Because we're such big time fans, like yes, I don't like baseball, just sports in general. But you know, in the eye, whatever the eye of the beholder may see,
0: you know, through and through, it they're all businesses. Right. Everybody's sometimes got an owner. It's,
1: it's hard, to, right? It's, it's, sometimes it's hard to you know deal with that fact. You know, when you have such a love for sports, and I mean, for example, I mean, you know, the NFL owns three days of the week.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean that's no lie.
1: You know, during the season, they own Monday, Thursday, Sunday, and you know, baseball kind of the same way. They own the month of October. You know, it's just the same kind of thing, and you're kind of starting to see it. Obviously, whatever sell seats, and apparently, you know, guys hitting the ball out of the park because their coaches are videotaping signs. I guess that sell seats.
0: <laughs> I just I can sense the salt in your voice. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, it's there. It's apparent.
1: It's been a a few days in the
0: sports world. Well, there's just been nothing positive, positive. and like I said, it, we're 30 minutes in. We're just chilling right now, trying to trying to give the listeners what they want. But um, I, the only thing that's positive for you and I is the Illini. Oh, absolutely. And you know, let's, let's, we got some time here. Uh, it's not Sunday night when we're trying to record in the middle of the fourth quarter now. Uh, so l- let's just go ahead and let's let's hop into it. Let's just spend the last 30, 40, 20 minutes, however long we want to go, on how the Illini must win 12 games. I don't want to get too much into it um, because Tristan gave us a lot of his insight, but we can kind of go over what he said as well. Basically what he was – he agreed with you and I from the other night, and he's wrote about it on his column um, for the Champagne Room. Um, They have to go – they have to win 12 games in the Big Ten. Now, we've already done a quarter of that, so uh, we're almost there. Right,
1: exactly. But, you know, then we have games like this weekend absolutely
0: terrifying me. Yes, and that is not an understatement for one reason. Number one, Northwestern can beat you. We were The first episode we ever did, we were watching the Northwestern-Indiana game, waiting on the Illini game to start. Northwestern will sneak up and beat you. And not only that, you don't want them to beat you on your home court. You have to almost stay perfect on home court.
1: Right, exactly. You know, like you said, that Indiana Northwestern game we watched. You know, Indiana's a team that's thirteen and three. They just knocked off Ohio State last week. Like Indiana's a legitimate basketball team, and they play well. And just you know, just have that in the back of your mind that Northwestern played well. You know, it just speaks to what we've said over and over again about the Big Ten. I mean, being by far the conference with the most depth as far as. Talent, you know,
0: night in, night out, wherever you're playing, whoever you're playing, you gotta bring it. Tristan and I didn't do this. Let's break down some of the schedule. Saturday we have Northwestern. Um, I'll have a blog on that on the website. Uh, obviously, you, what I can't name one person on that Northwestern roster right now. I I can't do it.
1: Neither. I can't
0: either. I couldn't tell you. I'm the, not even gonna try. They lost dimps, uh What have been my senior year of high school. Um, so 2015, he was gone, so that's five years ago. That's the last time I can name a Northwestern player. Um, obviously, there's going to be one that I should know that I'm not going to know right now that I'm going to get grilled for. But you got to win Northwestern. Now, after that, on Tuesday, you turn right around and you head to Purdue. We haven't won in Mackey in, I believe, eight years. So that's another snap streak we got to snap is, is win at Mackey. You can win at Mackey. There's no reason why you can't win in Ann Arbor. Now, Ann Arbor really scares me because that's another tough place to play, just because it's the Big Ten. But it's also Ann Arbor, Michigan, and you have to go almost two and one in these next two games. Because yeah, after after that, you have Minnesota to end out January at home, and Minnesota can sneak up and beat you. You gotta you
1: gotta hope that we can take care of business on our home court against a team like Northwestern, Northwestern. I was showing sure they can play with teams, so they're not very good down the stretch. Right now, you know, the late games, it's kind of tough for them to finish things out. And hopefully we can uh, ride the momentum of the State Farm Center to a we'll win there. And then, you know, after our performance against Purdue, you would think that you feel pretty comfortable against a team like that the way we played. And then they walk over and play Michigan State and throttle them by
0: 20. Right. <laughs> so. It's. See, here's the thing. We preached about it. It's consistency. Illinois is being pretty consistent right now, but the rest of the Big Ten is being the exact opposite of consistent.
1: Right, and the thing that I like about the Illini, I mean, just from a basketball fan standpoint, is the thing that makes me feel a lot better about them night in, night out, is their – I mean, just the way they play defense. Their defensive efficiency, the way they get up in people, pressure. I mean, denial of passes out on the arc they got a 7-foot rim protector in the paint. I just feel like there aren't many games. If we continue to play at this high level, there aren't many games that we won't be in, even if we do shoot sub-30% like we did against the Rutgers. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And that's what makes me feel a lot better at them right now. It's just the level of excellence they're showing on the defensive side of the ball. just allows you for a little more wiggle room when it comes
0: to offense. Then you get out of January, you end it with Michigan and Michigan and Minnesota. You get out of January, you get into February, and immediately you're on the road against Iowa. Iowa is is obviously right now. I I'm hesitant to say this, but they're a bottom feeder in the Big Ten. But they're 12 and five on the year. What's their? Hang on. What's Iowa's Big Ten record? Let me look. Well, I got it up. <clears throat> Iowa in the Big Ten is. So they're two and. They beat Rutgers, they beat Wisconsin, they beat Purdue. Oh,
1: so they're three, okay.
0: They are three and. three and one.
1: Yeah, because their only loss would have been to who beat them. Minnesota beat them, right?
0: I believe so. Yeah. Iowa's three and three. My bad. Three and three in a big ten. Three and three. They lost to Minnesota, Michigan State and uh Indiana.
1: Yeah, so I mean, obviously, uh head coach like Brandon McCaffrey, McCaffrey's gonna have his team ready to go, especially on the road out there in Iowa. They bring a good crowd for pretty much every sport. So, I mean, just the same kind of thing. You gotta go
0: on the road, take care of the business and Michigan State
1: games
0: conference Michigan State five and one Illinois four and two uh, Michigan State 15 Illinois 24 Rutgers four and two Wisconsin four and two who went on a heater after losing to Illinois Minnesota four and three Iowa three and three Indiana three and three Maryland three and three number 17 Purdue three and three Michigan 19 two and three Ohio State 21 two and four. Penn State two and four, Nebraska two and four, Northwestern one and five. That's what we're looking at right now.
1: Yeah, see, I mean there's how many teams in the middle of that conference are three
0: and three? Uh three and three you got Iowa, Indiana, Maryland, and Purdue.
1: I'm saying that's four teams that, you know, could get hot and win two games and you know the whole outlook of that Big Ten right now, standings wise, is completely shuffled.
0: You know what team where, I'm you know, I'm really excited to watch here in about two years is Nebraska. For one reason, uh, obviously Fred Hoiberg didn't work in, with the Bulls, but look what he did at Iowa State. He turned Iowa State to what it is now. Yeah, he really did. And that's scary for him to be in the Big Ten, thinking he can do that at Nebraska. That's scary yeah. to think about. Absolutely, because, I mean,
1: Nebraska's kind of bring year in, year out, multiple sport-wise, that – it's a loyalty-type school, and I think he's really going to preach that recruiting-wise along with the success that he's had over there at Iowa State, the Big 12, and I'm with you. I really think he could make some noise out there, and that's definitely a team that, you know, even in its sufferings in the last couple of years, has had some good players. You know, they've had some NBA-type talent. Not round roundish but, I mean, they've had guys that can ball in and score, and they've had a couple. You know, big wins that have kind of came out of nowhere against good teams, and bring a guy like that, in can I mean, can only mean more success. I would think.
0: Not only does Fred Hoiberg know the X's and O's, but he also can get the Jimmys and the Joes. That's your saying. I just took right out of your book. I like it. Um, hey man, I don't, I don't have any of these coins, eh, coprod man. You can use all the <laughs> things you want. Throw them out there. <laughs> If I hear it from you, I'm gonna tell you. Just because yours are <laughs> so yours are so good. Uh, let's see, Alan Griffin. So far, he's averaging uh, ten points. Nope, nine point three points per game. It went down because he only had that one tray against Rutgers. But man, that guy can fly around the court. He's are averaging. Many guys, passed on
1: him or
2: kicking themselves
0: right now. I want to know where they missed on two guys. Obviously, the first guy's having a down year, and that's Georgie B. Georgie is having a really down year, but I'm blaming that on him because he got yanked out of the five spot for Kofi, and he's having a heck of a time adjusting to the four. He doesn't have a three ball that, they, that just needs to develop, and it's not there. Um, his mid-range is bad, but he is one of the better people we that the I have right now at feeding Kofi Coburn down on the low block. I mean, they're best friends, and you can see it. They really get each other involved in their game.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a really good passer, you know, for a a big man in general. He's got really good vision in the half court. And like you said, his shooting is something that lacks quite a bit. But, I mean, you're kind of starting to see Underwood draw a few more things up that keep those guys down there or in the paint at the same time throughout multiple times in a possession. Because, I mean, Kofi's obviously got the overpowering factor and the height and he can shoot over people. But I'll tell you what. Uh, Jordy's really developed in a year man his post moves and footwork down there if you kind of watch him pretty closely I mean he there's times where he gets some pretty wide open type layups with guys that seem to be kind of draped over his back I think he does a really good job offensively with his finesse in the short
0: range you know within three four or five feet it's because he's a he's a dancer and I'm not saying that like, like a smart aleck. Like I'm saying that because in Georgia where he's from, he was like a grandmaster or something in the waltz and ballroom dancing. Like it's that's true. Yeah. You didn't know that? Oh yeah. Yeah, he's like a grandmaster in, in in dancing. Like he's proficient in the waltz. He's like proficient in Oh, ballroom dancing, and I can't remember what else. Like something that I would personally never pick up. Not knocking it, you know. Um, but man,
1: that, that's all it takes playing the Big Ten to take
0: up dancing. Yeah, well, if it could get me into the Big Ten, I still got some eligibility. I got four years of it.
1: That's what
0: I'm saying. <laughs> How long did, did you go down? You went to Eastern, right? Yeah. Did I you
1: first on a
0: truck came. Did you Did you catch down there? I didn't. Okay. I, there. I I didn't know if you uh, transferred from. KCC. I didn't know if you transferred from KCC and played at Eastern or not.
1: No, no, I I kind of got hurt my sophomore year and just decided to hang her up and get the old piece of paper and here we are.
0: Because I don't know if anybody knows that we are in the presence of a collegiate athlete. I just wanted to get that out there now. Yeah, I mean nothing
1: crazy. You know, it wasn't anything amazing. We did. We did. I played for a couple years in Kankakee, and it was a good experience, you know, going from a big fish in a little pond to a little fish in the ocean, you know, like at the collegiate level. It was a lot of fun, you know. I was a good group of guys, and I wasn't an everyday starter. I was kind of a situational guy, and it was kind of fun, you know, to embrace your role and figure out where you fit in. And tell you what, you know, you. I've mean, got some really good friends from high school. Obviously, you, being one of them, and a couple guys I work with. You develop some of the best relationships in your life when you go away. You know, whether it's forty minutes or four hours. We got Just
0: a little. We got a little bit of everything in here. We got a little bit of uh, a little bit of a rant from Jay. We got a little bit of uh, some sports talk, and then we go into uh, philosophy. I yeah, mean, well, we got it all here. What, what what else? What where else can you get this information from? That's what I'm saying,
1: man. Put this thing at the top of the list in that iTunes store. Are you kidding me?
0: <laughs> yeah, we're oh, I, dude, I didn't even have to talk about that. We're officially on Apple, by the way. Um, so if you you're haven't,
1: good at take, you're good at taking hits, partner.
0: Yeah, I I'm glad you said that because. <laughs> It just would have completely escaped. Um, for Apple Apple users, uh, if you have an iPhone, we have basically iOS operating system. If you have an iPhone, a MacBook like me, or a Mac PC, I'm kind of like got my Apple has its teeth sunk in me. Not because I like their stuff. Um, it works at least. Um, But if you use any of those products, you can find us on Apple Podcasts now. Uh, That's a pretty big deal for Jay and I, basically for the fact that, hey, you can now find us anywhere on any device. If you don't have an iPhone, you can download the Stitcher Podcast app, and you can find us there. Um, You can still get us on the WPXN website, so we're still there. We're everywhere. You can't get away from us. Yeah, we better buckle up because we're here instead. Another update, too, uh, to the podcast, the On the Sideline show now, um, I will be posting those on uh, Saturday mornings. If not Saturday mornings, it might be a midweek type of thing, Um, just to give an extra bonus episode every week. Uh, So that way we've got three rolling. So, um, just be aware for that, too. If anybody wants to listen to IHSA Sports Coverage, Jay and I do that every Saturday on the airwaves. You don't have to wait much longer for that, though, because the first episode we're doing – well, it's not the first episode, I should say, of On the Sidelines. But it will be the first episode that will be in podcast format on both Apple and Stitcher. Uh, It will be um, up probably either – Tomorrow, which or not tomorrow, Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning or before Jay and I sit down and record on Sunday night, so that'll be up there as well. If anybody wants to listen to that, good stuff, man. That's big time. What else? Before we get out of here, um, what else has been? I, I, I'm going to do a little segment here. I've been trying to think of segments all week and since we started this, but uh, I'm going to do one here that's going to be kind of fun, and we'll check back in on it Sunday night. It's a little trivia. I'm going to test test both of us. Um, And if anybody, this is for anybody, we won't reveal the answer until Sunday um, at the end of the show. So if you listen to this and you want to be a part of that, um, tweet at me, either Jay or myself with the right answer. None will be no, nothing except a shout out on the podcast. We'll shout out your name or your Twitter handle, whatever you would like. Uh, Or if you just want to remain anonymous, go ahead. Um, Here's the question. What NFL player returned a fumble sixty-six yards to the wrong end zone? Ooh, good I one. I'll give you some. I give you some. I give you four choices: All right. Jim Marshall, Leon Lett, Deion Sanders, or Delta O'Neill. Mm. I'm trying to find some that are not uh, super easy, but some that are not super hard. But this is probably to start one off. This is probably <laughs> super hard. <laughs>
1: I like it. Setting the bar high. You know, you can always always tone her back a
0: little bit. So once again, that question. So
1: that's our question for
0: this week. What NFL player returned a fumble 66 yards to the wrong end zone?
1: Wow, I'm eager to see the answer on
0: this one. So make sure you come up with an answer out of those four. I'll read them off again on Sunday. I'm going to have an answer. Um, It's probably going to be wrong. But, hey, we'll get there. So don't forget, interact with us on that. Uh, we'll be back probably. We'll be back Monday, unless you got anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here. We got time. It's getting kind of late, though.
1: Yeah, no, man. It's been good. I feel like we've uh, had a good conversation. I'm eager to to uh, get off here and uh, hear this interview with Mister Kissick. Obviously, we talked about his knowledge when it comes to Ohio sports, and I'm no pumped to hear what he has to
0: say. So. Yup, well, that interview is going to be right right about as soon as this is over, as soon as I get done yakking with everything I need to yak about. Uh, Don't forget, you can follow Jay on Twitter at JTS11. You can follow me at Flemington. You can also follow the WPXN uh, Twitter page at 104.9 WPXN. Like us on Facebook, 104.9 WPXN, and don't be afraid to interact with us. Um, That's how anybody that listens that gets that trivia question right, that wants their name shouted out, make sure you either tweet at me or at Jay. Jay will show it to me or send it to me. And then you can also just DM us, whatever you want to do. My inbox is open. Um, if it isn't open, I will be able to see it. Uh, also, I don't know how you want people to contact you if they do. Probably the same way, I'm guessing, right? Yep, same way is perfect. So we'll have that on Sunday. Oh, we got to make some pics real quick for Sunday. Oh, yeah, I almost forgot. Um, Packers, Niners. Uh, Titans. I don't know why I was blanking on the Titans. Titans, Chiefs, who are you going? Uh,
1: You know, I really think the high-powered offense and the Chiefs. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful for Derrick Henry. The Titans have been a good story so far, but I really think Pat Mahomes is just going to be too much. On the kill and Travis Kelsey, I think that offensive unit, there's just there's too many guys to guard. So I'm going to go Chiefs. I'm, and then – or how about you? What are you
0: going in that game? I'm going Chiefs as well just because Andy Reid deserves one.
1: I agree, man. He works his butt off, and I think it's time. And then for the other game, Packers Niners, I'm sticking with the old EIU faithful, baby. I'm picking Jimmy G and the Niners. That defensive front is just too much. I think that pass rush is going to be in her outer space all night. Hopefully they smack his face against the turkey a few times. I wouldn't mind
0: seeing that. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, Niners, I'm going Niners in the Niners Packers. I'm going Packers. Uh, I thought you might. I thought he might. Just for one reason, um, watching Aaron Rodgers the other night just proved to me that he can beat anybody, uh, especially now that he has a defense. That's um, true. It's going to be kind of interesting to see how the Packers defense contains the EIU faithful but um, I just – it's like I was telling you the other day on the last episode. Russell Wilson, I i, did, I, I counted Aaron Rodgers out. Um, I have a feeling in the Super Bowl it's either going to be Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers until one of them is gone.
1: That's, that's not a bad pick, honestly.
0: Also, one more thing on that, too. How fun would it be to get the discount double check going? It's Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes both being State Farm guys. Man. State City Farm is gonna have a heyday with that if that happens. Oh man, they're everywhere. They're gonna have Rogers, Mahomes, I mean, Chris Paul and James Harden. I mean, State
1: Farm doing pretty well for
0: themselves. St- State Farm Center. But, alrighty, so there's the picks. Uh, there's the trivia. Jay's going Chiefs Niners. I'm going Chiefs Packers. Nothing against the EIU faithful. Once again, trivia question. What NFL player turned to fumble 66 yards to the wrong end zone? Jim Marshall, Leon Lett, Deion Sanders, or Delta O'Neill. Interact with us on Twitter. Give us your answer. If you're right, we'll shout it out. If Jay or I are right, I've already got my answer. It's wrong. I'm not going to tell you which one I picked, uh, but my answer was wrong. Um, so that's the trivia question. We got Tristan coming up next. Jay and I will be back on Sunday. Well, Monday for you guys, Sunday for us right now. Disclaimer. I apologize if the audio is bad, just to hang around, stick with us. If the audio isn't good, uh, stick, go with that interview with Tristan because that's must see TV. So, once again, I'm still kind of working out some kinks with the audio, new software, new microphones for myself that I can kind of get Jay's clarity a little better as we're doing this over Skype, and he's using his headphones. So we're, we're working it out. It's a work in progress. We'll get uh, her, man. The only thing
1: that matters, hopefully, they can understand enough to get this good content. So I appreciate everybody listening. Thanks for having me once again. I appreciate
0: it. Uh, that's no problem, Jay. I'll, I'll talk to you Sunday, and I'll, I'll see you Saturday for On the Sign Lines. Sounds like a plan. See ya. And welcome back to the Jay and Kale Show here. Got a special guest, first one ever on this uh, new platform we've uh, expanded to. We're going to welcome in Tristan Kissick of the Champagne Room, formerly a Sist in the Park, for all you Sist in the Park listeners. Tristan, what's going on?
2: Not a whole lot. Thanks for having me, Kale.
0: Hey, that's no problem, man. We just wanted to get you on here, um, being the first guest. I mean, that's, a, that's pretty big, ain't it? Big shoes to fill.
2: <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Uh, I wanted to get you on here basically because of all of your expertise and knowledge when it comes to uh, Illini basketball, Illini sports in general, instead of hearing me talk about it all the time, it's nice to get a different perspective. Uh, Let's start off with that. So obviously the Illini are playing really well right now, but uh, what are some things that Tristan likes, you know, whether it could be Alan Griffin, Kofi Coburn playing the way he is when uh, conference plays kicked off, but what are some things you like about the team right now?
2: Uh, for sure, I think both of those things you just listed. Um, Alan Griffin has been huge off the bench. Um, I know a lot of people have gone kind of... It's been a, a raging argument on social media, I feel like, is the uh, should he start, should he come off the bench. Um, I think as long as he's seen, like 25 minutes a night, it doesn't really matter. Um, but he's been huge. Um, I don't think anyone thought Kofi was going to be as good as he's been this year um I even I thought he was going to have a little bit of trouble adjusting to the pace of the game and maybe would have been in foul trouble quite a bit and we'd see more of Georgie at the five but he just looks like a man amongst boys out there um so yeah those two guys have been huge um and the biggest thing for me though especially over the past couple of weeks I think has just been ios yes ability to take over towards the end of the game and seemingly making all of the right decisions knowing where the ball needs to go knowing when he needs to keep it and it's been the difference maker against Rutgers and it was the difference maker against wisconsin too so i'm just having a guy like that on the floor who who knows what to do with the ball and you can trust with the ball in his hands and in the final couple of minutes is, is bigger than anything in my opinion.
0: There's well, I've alluded to this on the uh, show multiple times, but when it's, you know, l- l- looking back at the Wisconsin game, when they're the game's on the line, right? You need somebody to seal the game to just uh, take over. There's nobody I'm more confident in, in the final 30 seconds of the game than I would when the ball's in his hands.
2: Absolutely. I, I don't know. I mean, He's, he's probably one of, one of the only guys in the country who, who's capable of doing that. Probably a handful of them, maybe five. And I'd say he's right up there amongst the best of them at it.
0: Let's go back to uh, Alan Griffin real quick. And I, I, I put out a prediction. I want to get your, your thought process on this. Um, obviously, the Illini kind of lack some depth, right? If, if Felice coming off of the bench is cold, then we have zero bench scoring. Um, Alan Griffin, when he's not starting, I feel is because it's those production off of the bench, right? We need a spark and he's it. you know, am I, am I on the out of the ballpark or am I close or what's your thought process?
2: Nope, um, that's pretty much been Brad's reasoning too. Um, when asked about it and pressures in the past couple of weeks is he likes the energy he brings off the bench and I think he's kind of Brad has that if if it ain't broke, don't fix it mindset. You know he, he's playing well in his role right now, and I don't, I don't think he wants to change that. Um, but yeah, I don't. Uh, there's been a lot of talk. Brad doesn't. He doesn't take too much. Like he doesn't worry too much about his starting lineups. You know. Right. Um, he he's gonna get guys in, especially the ones who are playing well, um, and I I think he's proved that. You can take, I don't know, if you're taking anybody out right now, it'd probably have to be Georgie. Um, yes. And that's just because Kipper's kind of played well the past couple of weeks and, and let Georgie kind of try and be that spark off the bench, but I'm not even sure if we'll see that move made.
0: Georgie is having a very tough time transitioning into his new role. I will yeah. say, he on the, on the team, I feel like he's one of the better players at feeding Kofi down on the low block. But he's having a tough time transitioning into that new spot.
2: Yeah, I think it, Yeah, it's it's a little bit of that, and um, oh, what was I getting ready to say? I think I think it is. He's having a, a tough time adjusting to to being the four. I think it's a little bit of a sophomore slump. I think it, the combination of a few things. I think teams saw what he did last year, and maybe. They've keyed in on him a little bit more on the scouting report, so it just makes it that much more difficult for him to get buckets, but I, when we need him, I, I feel like he, he's going to step up. Io and, and Kofi have kind of been able to run the show as of late, Yes, but I think there will definitely be times where we see Kofi in foul trouble, and we see more minutes at Georgie, and I think when it's just one of them the the spacing is a little bit better, and the shots are a little bit easier to come by, but I feel like both bigs right now, Kofi and Georgie are, are kind of forcing things around the rim um, and, and just rush, rushing everything. And, and that's why they're not shooting as well as they need to be.
0: So now the Illini, it came out this week are ranked number 24 in the AP polls after hovering in the mid thirties, uh, pretty much all season. But uh, going off of that, we have four big ten wins right now as we sit uh the the rankings huge gives us some national recognition uh the program especially um I'm saying 12, 11 or twelve wins is what it's going to take to get to the tournament i mean is that is that close am I not far enough am I not high enough or i it's just I just get that feeling with how tight the big ten's going to be the rest of the year
2: yep i am um... I've said it. I think all year, twelve and eight is going to be good enough to in the Big Ten to get you to uh, the tournament this year. Um, somebody posted the the Ken Palm projected conference records for the end of the year, and I want to say ten teams were between eleven and nine and nine and eleven in the and <laughs> the projections. It, it's still so wide open. Um, I went through the remaining the conference schedule the other the other night. I think realistically, we could very easily go eight and six the rest of the way, which would put us at twelve and eight. Yep. Um, but I could also see us winning one more game than that. It's a somewhat favorable conference schedule. Um, most of our difficult games are at home, but we do have to go play at Purdue and at Michigan. And I think those will be tough ones, so we'll see.
0: You got Iowa in there as well. We have, like you were saying, uh, you got Maryland at home. Penn State fell out of the rankings. But Nebraska, Northwestern, you got those guys left. You got to take advantage of those uh, lower-tier teams in the Big Ten. You know, you got to protect home court. And I, th- I seriously think that the Big Ten this year is going to be who can get a win on the road. Um, we saw Michigan State drop one against Purdue, who Illinois shellacked uh at home a couple of weeks ago now we got to go to Mackey, which that's another streak that they have to bust um that's a tough place to play but northwestern is saturday you gotta you gotta take care of business on your home court again
2: yep um thank goodness they get uh three games with northwestern in nebraska because those are pretty much the only gimmies i would even consider in the conference so i think uh, three wins there um I don't know. we probably not win it at, at Mackey. I don't know. That's tough. We just saw, yeah, Michigan State get smacked by Purdue. So we'll see. I think I think 12-8 and 8 is definitely doable with the position they put themselves in right now.
0: So uh, that's what uh, we've been pretty much preaching. That's what everybody's been preaching. 12-8 is where you got to be. Uh, hopefully that's where we get. And then they take care of business against Northwestern. Keep the streak going. Uh, last thing, too, I want to get into because this is going to take some time here. Uh, obviously, I'm a Cub fan, but I do watch the Southsiders quite a bit. Uh, basically, because they're American <laughs> League. You know, we play them once a year with the Crosstown Classics, so that's always a fun time of year. But holy cow, Tristan, how excited are you as a White Sox fan right now?
2: Oh, man. This, honestly, you have no idea. After almost. 12 years of being absolutely irrelevant in the baseball world. I finally have a season to look forward to. I've been I, – I was really disappointed last year when we didn't wind up with Machado and we didn't wind up with Harper. But I couldn't be happier about the way this offseason has gone. I mean, this Yasmati Grandal, Edwin Encarnacion. Keikel. Keichel, the guys, oh man, I, I'm, I'm really super excited. It
0: really seems like Rick Hahn listened to what White Sox fan wanted. He had the blank paycheck or uh, blank checkbook and he went out and got it. I mean, he's like, hey, you want Edwin Encarnacion, a solid DH, here you go. You went and extended Hebreu, you got a first baseman. That guy can still rake even though he's on the on the back half of his career. Dallas Keichel's going to win games. You signed Gio Gonzalez to a one-year deal. You signed Luis Robert to a six-year 50 million. You got him locked up. You're pulling up Madrigal. You got Tim Anderson, Yon Mancata, Eloy Jimenez. That one still stings. I mean, (laughs) the the White Sox this year, over under 77 wins?
2: Oh, over.
0: Because I've got them going to the – getting the second wild card spot. I don't think that's undoable.
2: I I think we can very well win the division too. I think the – Indians, there's still a lot of talk with the Indians about trading Lindor. Um, if that happens, then it pretty much becomes a, a Sox-Indians battle for the Central. Right. And I like I like the Sox depth. We we got we got some depth in our pitching rotation now. I think we have seven legitimate starting pitchers when Carlos Rodon and Kopech come back and are healthy. So we're gonna have to figure out who we want to send to the bullpen. Um, which is going to be huge. It's, all, it's been all about being patient with the rebuild, give it a couple of years, and now with our prospects in AAA and coming up, we finally decided to go out and do something this offseason, and I think we made all the right moves.
0: The White Sox literally took what the Cubs did for about since starting in 2010 when Theo Epstein got hired. They uh, just brought pieces in that would work, that maybe may win some games and man, they pumped a lot of money and a lot of time into the draft in the farm system. But Holy cow, the white socks are going to be exciting to watch. They've already busted their season ticket uh, sales and it's not even the end of January yet for, for the past like 12 years.
2: Hey, those white Sox fans are there. We just didn't show up for a while because we, we didn't have any, any product to cheer for on the field. They're, uh, they're there. And As it, I'm, Go ahead. I'm super excited about how long we have control over our core of guys. I mean, Robert, Madrigal, Cease, Kopek. We have all these guys until, like, 2024, 2025. So we're not going to just be competitive this year. I expect this to be the next five years, us competing for AL Central titles and, and some pennants.
0: Yeah, I seriously, I mean – I think that they're going to get the second wild card spot because hear me out. The Twins, obviously, they're not going to hit near as many nukes as they did last year. That's just not going to happen. But I with
2: those juice baseballs.
0: Yeah, juice balls, aka Justin Verlander. <laughs> um, I seriously don't think they're going to hit near as many bombs. But they are returning pretty much the same roster. They added Homer Bailey, who's on the downside of his career as well, and they added Rich Hill, I believe. Um, so I seriously think that the twins are going to win the division, but the, the, it's going to be either Tampa Bay or Boston, but they just fired Cora obviously. So that's going to be a question mark as well. I think Tampa Bay gets that first wild card spot and the Sox get the second. I, I just, I don't have a, it's going to be like what the Cubs did in 2015, right? It's going to be in, uh, I, that just the same model, same mold, same feeling.
2: Hey, as long as we're getting back to the playoffs, I, I ain't even mad. I'm just – I'm happy to be competing again and and not stuck with the likes of Adam Dunn and Adam LaRoche <laughs> and all those guys I had to endure for so many years.
0: And what about Yomer Sanchez? What was your thoughts on him? Oh,
2: man, it's, it's – with a guy like Yelmer – Yomer's fun. He's such a great defensive – defender – and he's electric, like, oh, anytime there was a walk-off, Yolmer was the guy dumping the, the Gatorade jug on himself. So I, I love seeing that part of the stuff, but I'd much rather have Nick Madrigal at second base, I'll say that.
0: he's a, He was a pretty big liability at the plate, too. Um, there wasn't much production out of Yolmer, although he did win his first gold glove of his career, I think, this year, right? Or close? He, second, he, he, maybe?
2: He did, yeah, he's a plus defender. He's great. He's got a great glove in the field, but yeah, he just wasn't doing it at the plate. So,
0: so Tristan's saying twelve and eight with everybody else for the Illini to get to the uh, to the tournament. And speaking of that, I really don't want to see him lay a dud. Win twelve games in the, in the in the Big Ten regular season, you get to the tournament and then lay a stinker. I really hope that doesn't happen.
2: No, uh, man. Uh, I've seen some of the some of the bracket projections, and I, I saw one that had us as like a ten seed going up against Arizona as a seven seed, which I really don't want to match up with again. Um, I can't remember the one CBS came out with one yesterday, and we we're like an eight or a nine seed, and we would have played Butler in the second round. I think I think we're gonna give some teams some fits, but I. I the ceiling of this team is Sweet 16, if that's everything clicking right. on the right note.
0: Well, well, while I got you here, because it's probably going to be a couple weeks before I get to talk to you again, uh, next year, I was going through some of the stuff that that we'll have next season. We get Hutchinson and Grandison. We'll have, assuming Io's gone and Kofi yeah. stays, uh, we'll have Miller if he signs, Tevian if he can figure it out, Alan Griffin, and Coleman Hawkins. I mean, You're not
2: even, you missed my most—the one I'm most excited about.
0: Which one? I know I missed a bunch of them. I think.
2: Andre Corbello. Oh,
0: duh! How did
2: I? <laughs> He's—that's who I'm. I'm most excited for next year.
0: He is putting up numbers at Liu High right now,
2: and it's not against bad competition either. He plays like Sierra Canyon tonight, or that's their next game. I think the the team with Brawny and all those other. Five
0: stars. So it's Brownie Jr. and Zaire Wade and a couple others, I think. Yep. Next year, though, is – I'm going to say it. Next year is the 05 team. I was nine years old in 05. That's the 05 team that I've been anticipating since I really could, you know, really start following sports and remember what's actually going on and happening. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's me going out on a limb saying that.
2: I'd say – Backcourt play, um, there's there's definitely, that's as much, we're going to have as much firepower in the backcourt as, since that team, I think with uh, Curbelo, Miller, Trent Frazier, and then guys like Alan Griffin. Uh, we'll see if Tev stays. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see him go in the offseason. Um, but yeah, I think Grandison, the, the one from Holy Cross, is going to step in and, And fill in nicely on the wing. What I'm most concerned about next year is front court depth. Right. Um, I don't think Jermaine Hamlin is a a suitable power five backup big. Right. Um, That's all I'd like to see us take care of. I think Coleman Hawkins is going to be the truest thing that, like, the truest thing to a four that we'll have on the roster. So. I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me to see him step in and kind of make an impact just because I know he's a shooter.
0: Right. Um, What about last question? But Benjamin Bossman's Verdonk. I'm the frame that he has is incredible, right? If you look at his body type, he's built like almost like LeBron. What are his capabilities? You know, what could his impact potentially be on this team? We've seen very little of him this season.
2: Oh yeah. Um I I don't even I don't even know. Um <laughs> right. he, was, he, he was injured in the summer when he got here. He had a foot problem and he had a different foot problem to to start the season and now he's battling another foot problem. Um Right. Just his frame alone though gives me hope. I mean, he's a any, big dude. At, yeah, for 18 years old, he is an absolute monster. Um, is if he can space the floor a little bit, knock down like an 18 footer, 15 footer consistently, I, I think he could be a, a solid replacement for Kipper. Um, right. But I, I don't think he'd have any trouble finding a, a place in, in the offense. Right. I, I don't, I don't think he's one that we see transfer at the end of the year. I, I He just needs to get healthy.
0: Right. Tristan, I appreciate you joining me here for about 20 minutes, being the first guest on the new podcast we got rolling here at WPXN. I look forward to talking to you here, uh, hopefully, within the coming weeks as we uh, hopefully have some tournament aspirations here coming up.
2: Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how this uh, basketball season ends.
0: Once again, Tristan Kissick of the Champagne Room. You can follow him on Twitter at tkissick11, or is it just tkissick20? Kissick Kissick, boy I'm surprised I remember that uh, you can <laughs> follow all of the uh, Champagne Room socials on Twitter at the Champagne Room Instagram I believe is the same and you can read all of uh, all of their stuff that they post on their website at the Champagne Room am I correct on all that? yes sir alright Tristan uh, once again appreciate your time Tristan Kissick former assistant of Park Timberwolf um, now you of I head honcho there I'm going to say that that sounds better head honcho for the Champagne Room oh. appreciate your time man